Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show here with Mr. Jonathan Walker. Jonathan, how's it going? There you are. Yeah, there you're on there. That's pretty cool, man. It is so good to have you. Like good I never get to have you on here. This is um, wow. What a treat. Yeah, we're always got something going on on the weekends. Well, you know the thing about you is, uh, Jonathan. You know, worked with me. We literally one on one for like seven years. Yeah. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, what happened is I said, okay, let's uh, let's rock, man. Let's you get out of here. Let's go. <laughs> Go do this and go do your own thing. And uh, he has been doing his own thing up in the Gallatin office. And um, one of the things I love is that you always have stories. So I am going to pick your brain for okay. stories. All right. I'll get ready. Uh, you know, and, and I think that there's enough stuff to talk about. You know, you love talking about kind of in general, you know, what we when we talk about investing and financial planning and, and the whole idea of investing especially is that so many people struggle with investing. Sure. And the reason they struggle so often is because of the fact that, hey, look, you know, it's our stinking thinking, our minds and, and how, uh, you know, I was reading something this week and it was written by a mutual fund company that doesn't diversify <laughs> Their investment portfolios of all things. And, you know, it's funny because they don't diversify really well. And the thing that they said was the thing that investors hate the most is a common investment strategy. And the point they were trying to say that people hate diversification mm -hmm. because it puts you in the bottom quartile of, of investment uh, markets. Because when you're, when you own lots of different things, you have all these different things. And you, when you're owning something that it is diversified, it's going to be in the middle of all of them. Sure. You know, if you have one asset category that's just rocked and done really, really well, and you have something else that hasn't done as well in the most recent, you know, past two, three, four, five years or whatever, short period of time, you're going to be really frustrated that you own that thing that didn't do as well. And then what happens is there's going to be something in your portfolio that did really, really well. If you're diversified, there's going to be something that did well, because that's why you diversify. And then you're going to feel that you missed out mm -hmm. on something. Sure. And so what happens is from a psychological standpoint, what we do is we want to chase whatever just did well because it feels good. Obviously, we talk about that. But, you know, the whole idea about investing is so challenging for people because of this. And you always have great stories when it comes to these types of things. People come in and say, and, and also the worries that people come in with. Sure. You know, and, if it's not debt ceiling, it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, we have some natural God-given survival instincts that that really benefit us in a lot of areas of our lives. But they're actually kind of counterproductive when it comes to investing. Um, you, you know, the, the biggest thing I think for me, uh, and, and like right now, I've got clients that we're all inundated with information. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have information coming at us at a clip that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And the process of trying to work through that, to, to take it in, to figure out what's right, what's wrong. We live in an age where information is just coming at us so fast. I mean, mm -hmm. if you go back to the 
the 60s or 70s and you get a report on your either your portfolio or even a stock report right the the information was already outdated it did it didn't matter there wasn't anything to react to it was just okay i'm just going to read this and see what happened a week ago oh yeah yeah it was funny because you say that and there was something this morning that somebody had used ai mm-hmm. uh, and i heard about it a couple days ago but it was something I was thinking about this morning that somebody had used AI to show that the White House was like being blown up or something like that. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it I heard looked, that too. did you hear about that? Yeah. And, and you go, wow, they, they came out with this thing. And of course, what did the stock market do? Immediately drop. Well, you remember, you've talked about this time too. That's no different than whenever. Uh, there was a false tweet years ago mm-hmm. about the White House had been bombed, and you know the market actually reacts about bombing to that. the White House. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> Somebody looks yeah, out a curtain yeah. or a window and says, "I don't think that's the truth," and you know, and everything recovers the way it should be. Well, what the, what they figured out was that the AI wasn't good enough, and you think that's pretty scary that the AI just wasn't quite up to to snuff. In order to fool everybody, they figured out that it was fake by looking at the actual footage. You know, so in essence, what happens when we do have good enough foot or sure. good enough AI to actually create footage that does look realistic? Well, I mean, you, you, well, maybe not you. You're not much of a movie guy, but I mean, I can remember, you know, the first time I saw. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I can remember the first time sure. I saw something that was computer generated uh-huh. and you looked at it and it was like, okay, I know that's fake. I know that's not really happening, yeah. but it's cool to see it on the screen. They gave it a good, a good solid attempt. And now uh-huh. it's really impossible to differentiate what's a real world and what's a fake world. I mean, and, and that's happening in investing. Well, and the, and the important thing about this, this conversation, we look at that and that may scare you what I just said, that AI, they came up with this image, it scared people, the stock market dropped. Well, obviously it wasn't real. So the market jumped back up. That is only a problem if you're a market timer. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you're sticking to a solid financial plan, that's not even going to seep yeah, into your area. It's, it's going to go down and it comes back up and, and you didn't even know what happened. Yeah? Right. You know, you, it wouldn't have had mattered to you. But if you were an investor that was trying to time markets and, and move things around based on what you thought was going to happen next, then yes, it becomes a problem. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine trying to be somebody that doesn't believe in market efficiency in today's time and place. Right, right. Now, one of the things that I know that you find is you get into conversations with people. What are some of the things that people have called up and said? Right now, the biggest thing about. that I hear about is just FDIC insurance. FDI- okay, let's talk about that. Um, because so often what people do, let me set yeah, it up. Go ahead. So often what people do is they say, I want safety in my life. Mm-hmm. And what can I do that is safe right now? And... You know, the reality of it is that they go over to when they're scared of what the, they're scared of what's going on in the banking industry. Oh, yeah. And what do they do? They say, hey, let's go put a bunch of money in banks. Yeah. And, and because that's safe. That's what they're doing. Right. Yeah. And my my thinking is, is that really safe? Well, so, well go ahead. When, when you're dealing with, you know, when, when you're dealing with a situation where we don't know whether the FDIC uh, you know, th- that the, the banks will be covered because I'm, I'm the guy that lived through the late 1980s. I remember moving to Nashville and I remember coming here and going, hey, uh, you know, we got an issue here. Uh, the, the banking, we had an SNL crisis. Yeah. And those banks just ka- kaput. 
Yeah. yeah. I, you know, there's... And people's money were locked up for long periods of time. Yeah, it's it, a little bit of a different situation, obviously, there. But, you know, when you look at it from a standpoint of um, safety, to your point, to the safety aspect, mm-hmm. is let's have some reassurance that the money I'm putting in this institution, this banking institution, is going to be safe and secure. And the thing that's got people rattled right now is these are these are large banks that are that are failing. These are, you know names that people recognize. Yeah. And, and that and that that is going to jar anybody. I'm not saying that that shouldn't make you a little nervous, but I'm also saying you got to you got to take that information in and go, "Okay, hold on just a second. You know, if I am I trying to fit these three banks that have failed in the last 6 months across the entire board or do I just need to look at them as three banks that have failed?" Uh-huh. And the reality is FDIC insurance while I do have some some issues there with some of that. It Banking nice was my background. Yeah. If you're looking at yeah. regional banks and some, most of these banks are very solid and secure. Now, FDIC actually has a watch list that they look at, but they don't make that public because if they did, that's going to create a run on the bank, <laughs> that and that's going to create some real create scare. all kinds of issues. Yeah. But you know, we've kind of been. I guess, spoiled. I don't know if you want to call it that. We haven't had any recent bank failures. If you look at the FDIC website, I'll pull that up right now. Uh-huh. The last bank failures that we had previous to these, we had basically going back from 2021 and 22, we didn't have any. We, didn't we nothing had there. four in 2020. Four in 2020. Four in 2020. Wow. Four in 2019. Wow. No, zero in 2018. Uh-huh. And in 2017, we had eight. 2016, eight. 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 Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Here's the issue is most people don't realize this. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize it. And then going back to 2015, we had eight. 2014, we, we got had ten. Is 18. that what that says? 18. 18. But look oh at 2013 and 2012. <laughs> 2013 and 2012, we had a, a combination of those two years. There were 75 bank failings. Seventy? No, Jonathan, I had no clue. That is fascinating. And you, folks, you can look at this yourself. Yeah, on this the is FDIC on the FDIC website, website yeah, fdic.gov. That is, is eye opening to me. This is where you have to take the context of what's happening currently right. and put it in perspective. Right. We've had three bank failings. Now, I'm not going to argue that these aren't three large bank failings. Right. I mean, that's without, I mean, that's not on the table right, to discuss. Sure. But the reality is, how do I take what's happening in California and some of these other areas, and how do I look at it in Nashville, Tennessee? Right. The companies that I used to work for, the banks I used to work for, I'm not concerned one bit. The Wall Street Journal in it was last month, I believe, the first quarter in bank revenues were uh-huh. some of the largest they've seen in years. Yeah, banks have struggled for a long, long time. And, yep. and the reason being that the interest rates were low. Well, they were anemic. They, they were nothing, and yeah. they couldn't charge anything. Right. So you had this spread on what you had to pay to borrow money versus what you could lend it back out at, and there was right. nothing going on right there. Well, and that's the issue, too, that we're running into right now. You've got banks that are offering – there's some good local banks that are offering decent rates on CDs right now. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy for somebody that is looking for safety and security to say, okay, I'll take somewhat of my – you know, free cash or whatever, and I'll go and put it into a CD. Then that creates some other planning issues. But the reality is they view that as safety and and, and ease of access if they need to get to it. Well, Jonathan, you know, I was thinking about that this morning too. You know, you look at those interest rates and, you know, go, uh, if we go go back through history, I'm just going to off the top of my head, just 
throw out a couple numbers. Sure. And, you know, so if we look back and we say, okay, so the bank might be paying 5%, let's say, let's, yeah. you might even be able to pull off that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if we look at markets and say, well, wow, that's, that's really fairly high. But if we look, look back at history at market recoveries, mm-hmm. and when we see recoveries in markets, you might see an asset class go up uh, 70% in a year. Right. I mean, that's that, that has happened oh, many, many times, yeah, right? absolutely. So you might have like international small companies shoot, shoot up 70%, small cap companies shoot up that much. You might see uh, large U.S. companies, you'll see years where it's up 40%, yeah. you know, 30%. And you look at that and go, well, five and versus, you know, like 70 and you go, whoa, wait a minute. Um, and then especially when we look back at the 1980s, when we had all of that inflation, right. and that's kind of what we're dealing with that's right now. That's when right you now. saw a lot of those big yeah. returns. Well, the other thing, too, was pre-2008, you could go into a bank and you could get a decent rate of return on a CD. And you could might even be able to negotiate what we would call a CD bump, mm-hmm. which is where the you know your, your banker or whatever would give you maybe a little bit of an increase because you were a loyal you know, client, you've been at the bank forever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, after 2008, my experience has been that doesn't exist anymore. Um, the rates obviously went down to anemic levels mm-hmm. after that. Um, and a lot of people that were in fixed income assets, such as CDs and those kind of things, that were utilizing that as a, as a common uh, part of their income, that vanished. Mm-hmm. And they were forced back into the market at a time when, quite frankly, they wanted to be nowhere near the market. Right, right. And it was very difficult for those folks to, and here we are, you know, literally 15 years later, whatever the number is, and we're just now seeing those increases in fixed income investments. And no matter what that CD rate is, whether it's five, six, it doesn't matter. You're already behind the eight ball when you're factoring in inflation. Right. And then you're paying tax on that as well. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a cash position. I'm not saying anything like that. You've got to look at your own individual financial plan. Right. However, you know, there's the the safety and security, what I tell clients all the time, is that's perceived. Right. It's not guaranteed. It's, it's the, perce- the perception that you have that, okay, this bank is solid, stable, whatever. And as I've been telling clients recently, it's like everything's fine mm-hmm. until it's not. <laughs> That's, oh, that, that is such a good point. And you can't get in front of that. You, there's right. no way to get in front of that. I mean, I've got a good friend. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the company right now. And since we're on the radio, I won't disclose it. But, you know, he was talking about his particular company and they lost a, 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 a very large contract. Uh-huh. He works there. No idea what's going to no happen. idea that was coming. Yeah. And then the stock loses 40% in one day. Well, you know, that, that also brings up that I'm thinking about the um, real estate mm-hmm. and some of the things that I've seen recently. Sure. And I'm thinking... You know, the a lot of these articles about real estate and where it's gone wrong, we're not here in Nashville. Correct. We've been there, very there fortunate. There are other parts. We've been really fortunate yeah. around here. But it made me think that not yet. Yeah. You know, like you just said. Well, I mean, I think I mean, if you, don't you talk know when to that's anybody. Happen. When it happens, it, you, there's nothing you can do. You can't. Because nobody th- wants your real estate yeah. once it happens, right? Well, and, and not only that, I think if you talk to anybody in real estate, they would have probably told you at this point, if but, they had, if they were to predict what had happened, yeah, you know, get, years yeah, ago, they would have never seen it growing to this point. Right, 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 right. Uh, I just, and especially with interest rates going up, they're just like, okay, so when, how long? And it just reminds me of Warren Buffett when he was asked about Bitcoin, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you know, I, I don't know when. Right. I just know at some point. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, of course, the news this week, there was a, a, a group that actually came out with a proposal for regulation of Bitcoin. And it was fascinating because one of the things that they asked him said, so what about, you know, I've got to ask you this question. And, and the question was basically something to the effect of, um, it, was, it was something to the effect of, you know, one of the big drawing points or one of the things that draw people to these cryptocurrencies is being able to do transactions without publicizing them in secrecy to some extent. Mm -hmm. And he says, and if they take that away, doesn't that take away a big impetus to actually be in this thing? And, and you know, doesn't that, and of course, yes, that, that sure. would, the answer would be, you know, so you don't know how regulation changes things too. You know, yeah. you come in and, and all of a sudden government regulations change on a dime and all of a sudden, you know, all bets are off. Take it on a more simplistic level. Take estate planning, for example. I mean, we're yeah. about to see quite a few laws that are going to sunset in a couple of years. Right, right. You've been following that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so, sure. you know, we're going to be looking at legal documents for clients and talking about, okay, if you pass away today, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, and, and for the most part. And 12 million to 5 million is a big, big difference, right? That's a big right? move. Yeah, you it, know? it is. So, sure. You know, those are those are always things that, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if you haven't knocked the dust off of your financial plan, your mm -hmm. estate planning plan, any of those things, it is time to do it. I know we've kind of deviated from your original question, but I as know, far we're all as, over the place, which is fine. This yes, is me. I love that. I love being all over the place. It's more fun. Um, going back to the bank, most banks are structured in a way that they have a, a three pillar system uh -huh. and um, it's it's mortgage, it's depository and it's investments. And in any time, generally one, if not two of the three are going to be positive based on what the economic environment is, is happening. Uh -huh. So if one's not doing well, the other two kind of pick up the slack. Or if two's not doing well, the third one will pick up the slack. Uh -huh. That's generally how they're structured. That way they don't have a situation where they're all three not doing well. Yeah, have and a few different pillars really holding up the, the roof, right? Yeah. So those are kind of the, that's kind of the structure of most banks and it can get more complicated than that, obviously, but sure. that's generally how that works for most, for most banks. So like right now, depository, the, the banks are taking on deposits because they're offering these higher interest rates and people are more than happy to, to give over their dollar that's either been sitting in cash or somewhere that... Well, a lot of them are market timing is what I'm uh, saying. Absolutely, and, and we know too. We know from every study ever, ever done uh, <laughs> by mankind that market timing doesn't work. It actually increases risk, doesn't decrease it. That's correct. And we're seeing people do that. Well, and I then think, when the markets jump up and then people feel comfortable again, that's when they jump back in and then it's too late. Well, that's just it. And, you know, it's real easy to do one side of that equation. It's real easy to look at the market and speculate that something negative is across the horizon. We're mm -hmm. really good at kind of continuing that pattern in our brains, <laughs> exactly. whether it's right or wrong. Right. right and the right. reality is you got a 50-50 shot on that one side of it. But then the harder part is deciding when are you going to get back in the market? Right. What does that look like? And we never get back in. get back in, in when it looks Okay, Jonathan. that's right. We that's, never you know, get when back it looks in. good. No, well, what, how do we know that it looks okay? Well, it went up 20 percent, <laughs> yeah, and so you've already missed out on that, <laughs> or 40 percent, right? or whatever. You that's, know, it was like 2009, it, yeah. it went up 91 percent. Then I knew it was okay to get back in. You go, that's uh, exactly wait a minute. I mean, literally, March 10th to the you know, the end of December, that's what it was. I'm not, you know, I'm not making up that number. It was, it, it was insane, it's huge, yeah, and and people missed it. And mm -hmm. we hear about it all the time from people, and well, I've heard you, I'm sure you've heard stories. Hey folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. 
Uh, talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that debt, good debt, bad debt. I talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future. Types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts. Talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. You want to find out more about that? You go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And I hope you enjoy. Jonathan tells lots of stories. Good stories. (laughs) And he and I worked together for a long time, so I miss his stories. (laughs) It was always always a ton of fun. Yeah. Okay, so Jonathan, you gave me a little tease. Said, "Oh yeah, said talk, I met tell, with a client. Story, tell a client story." Yeah, so it was. It's been a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Kind of the whole, you know, situation. So he was, was. Well, I want to save that part for the end. Okay. So around 2008, he got out of the market. Okay. Has 401k plan conservative investor. He and mm-hmm. his wife are conservative, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't like a lot of risk, mm-hmm. and sold out not close to the bottom. I mean, it's probably like midway down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, comes into the office, is like, hey, I just want to sit down and talk to you about what we have, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure. kind of thumbing through the statements, um, looking for some mutual funds, can't find anything. Um, long and the short of it, he's all in cash. Mm. And he's stayed in cash since 08. All that time. Now, here's the kicker. He is, I'm going to make sure I get the age correct. Because that story is very, what I would say, very, not, I don't want to say common, but for somebody that was getting closer to retirement, those kind of things. This gentleman, he is currently 43. So he had been out of the market for that period of time. So think about... Not only the, what he's missed just currently, but yeah. what the growth on those assets would be over his lifetime. Right, 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 right. There's no way to come back from that. Yeah, yeah. I just I was thinking, uh, I think two to three hundred percent return, something Easy. like that. Yeah, missed. And, and you know, and so he has got such a yeah a strong fear of well, I'm going to get back in the market, and the same thing's going to happen again. Yeah, uh, he's just paralyzed by the fear, and and I and I. So my heart goes out to him, first of all, because right. I don't know. I mean, I can throw yeah, all the he, academics at him. I can throw the stats. I, he is just so feared mm-hmm. that, you know, he's living in this this place of scarcity. Right. Um, and so I kind of talked to him about the American Dream experience that we're putting on in June. And and he hasn't committed to it yet. I think he may actually end up go, going through in, in August. Right. But, you know, the, the moral of this story is I don't think he's alone. I think there are other investors that are out there that because of, once again, all this information that we're constantly getting inundated with. And I mean, there's people on TikTok now that are talking about, oh, here's my financial accountability for the day. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, I I, I just, I guess I'm, 
I've never considered myself like old school, but I'm at the point now where the things that are happening either with the 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 media around me and even my own kids, right. I can't relate to on some level. Well, and, and this is something that I've been talking about a little bit, and, and it's, it's this graph uh, kind of that that I love. It's just the idea of being in flow is the idea that you're, whatever your challenges are matching up with your skills, and, and we're overloaded. We're so overloaded with information that we're overwhelmed. And when we get overwhelmed, we get anxious. Oh, yeah. And when we get anxious, if we feel like we're hopeless, it becomes depression and so on and so forth. But, um, but what happened as I was, I was listening to this uh, study, it was talking about uh, people with overwhelming joy was what this lady was talking about. She says, you know, there was a study we did. It was on people on, with overwhelming joy. And she says, you know what the one thing is that they all had in common? And this will come back to investing in a second. But this was a point that she made. She said what they all had in common was that they all had this sense of, uh, of gratitude, and she says, gratitude, you know, some people say it's gratitude is an attitude. And she goes, no, 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 it's, a, it's an action, she yeah. said. So you, she said, what we do at our dinner table every night is we sit down, we go, okay, so what are the things you're thankful for? And it was brilliant because she said the reason that gratitude is so important is that when you actually get out there and you start putting gratitude to work, you're using energy in a really good, your, your energy in a really good way. And she says, because what we do is because we are so fearful about the future, what we do is we make up stories about what's going to happen in the future, and they're always bad stories. And what was fascinating was one thing she said. She said, the thing about joy is we tend to sabotage our joy. And she says, here's what we do. Anytime you feel a sense of joy and you're kind of getting excited about something, many of us, and you'll relate to this, folks, because everybody I've said this to relates to it. They will go, oh, my gosh, don't get too excited. Something bad is going to happen. Oh, you're yeah. going to jinx yourself. Yeah. right? You see what I mean? I'm going to jinx yeah. myself by feeling this excited about it. Yeah. And then she says, then what we do is we, we jinx it and you know, tell ourselves that. And then we shut it down and we should be better off using our energy thinking about things we're thankful for. Yeah. And I think that's pretty common. I th it's really weird. You know, we, we you know, we, we've convinced ourselves that we don't deserve this happiness that, mm -hmm. you know, that quite frankly is, I think we'd be so much better, if, you know, if we had these conversations. I mean, so what Amy and I do with our kids mm -hmm. every, every evening at dinner, we do this, you know, what's your rose, what's your thorn situation, you know? <laughs> what's your rose, what's yeah, your thorn? So what was something you're thankful for? <laughs> yeah. And what's something that frustrated you? And, oh, that's you know, so interesting. Well, um, our theory is, and we didn't, we stole this from someone else, oh, obviously, sure. but the theory is you can't yeah. ignore the negative things that are happening in your life or things that are frustrating. You have to know how to deal with them. Right, right. Because if you don't, that transitions well, into how you connect with yeah, people. Yeah, and it know, transitions into so many you. levels of your life. Well, it's so good, Jonathan, because, you know, if you think about it, that's one of the things that I always talk about. When, when I talked about earlier, I said something to the, point, to the extent of investors failing and why do we fail and why do, why do they struggle? And the reason really comes down to that you, when you diversify, you're never going to have the best thing. Mm -mm. You know, you'll have, you'll have, not everything will be in the best thing. You'll have some in, in the best performing area of the market, yeah. but you'll always might be kind of mediocre, so to speak, in a way. But, you know, the reality of it is when you look at the long run and you look at investors that actually follow the academic rules and diversified and did all the things we talk about, 
It, it's head and tails historically. Look at the Dalbar numbers. The Dalbar numbers from the company out of Boston that actually looks at actual investor returns, it is bad, really, really bad. Yeah. And if you look at what would have happened had they just followed what I've been teaching here on the show since 2001 when I first started the show, uh, no, no comparison when, the, when you look at the Dalvar research. And, but what we don't do is we don't get that. And the reason we don't get that is because of our, you know, kind of our way of doing things. But I like what, and this is the point that I like to make, is the reason that coaching and education and you know, our job as advisors is so important is that when people are worried about something, when there is a thorn, as you uh, to use your language, yeah. they come to us with it. Yeah. And then you can unload it, and you can deal with it, and you can walk through it, because so often what happens, we have that thorn, we don't think rationally. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, one of the huge and main differences of what I do now versus what I used to do at the bank is, what I used to do at the bank, it was all uh, product-centered, so the conversation, like if you came in as a client, the conversation we would have would always be around the certain thing that they own. The product. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was never, uh, you know, whereas here, that's part of what we do. But yeah. it's actually kind of, it, it's just part it's of the process. Yeah. Part it's of the way the I call Cog in the wheel because there's so many other things that right. have to be taken into consideration. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.